You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Burner Part Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12. Football, it's like Friday evening. We should be at happy hour. We're not even in the same room right now. I offered David Woods fresh-caught bluefin tuna, and he didn't even bother to come over and get it. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Life is here. what's happening. I've got a question. How many listeners do you think I turn off simply with how I introduce the show every time? Uh, Yeah, probably a lot, I would think. Significant <laughs> amount. Uh, but that's okay. And it's like this inside joke. We're just trying to like knock me off my game. Sometimes you knock yourself off your game. I don't know what kind of game we have anyway. Like, I'm not sure where we, yeah. It, it's not we... very fun. It's not a fun game. I don't think either <laughs> of us really enjoy it that much. But Friday afternoon, we should be having beers in the same office together. We should be having some sashimi. And no, it's not happening. We're, we're Skyping we're from like. Sitting at our computers on Skype. Five miles apart or something. Yeah. yeah. That's how we do things in this world of technology. Uh, we are doing a show. We want to keep doing the show for you. And, you know, we were thinking about how we're going to do this. So we're figuring it out. We're doing it on a Friday evening, Friday afternoon. And I hope you guys enjoy it. If you want to email us any questions, we didn't get a lot this week, questions-wise. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. Send us all those ideas about whatever you want us to talk about. You can text us, too, or call us. 424-532-0678, the number. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast. You might tweet us like a great idea, like the day after we do the podcast, but we're not going to remember that. So make sure you tweet us like the day we're recording, which you don't know, but guess, and then try to make it, you know, up there. Because if you were, if you tweet us the day we're recording, we might talk about the tweet, but otherwise, probably not going to happen, David, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, are, are we two reviews yet, or do you want to? Are yet. you still doing your preamble? Our preamp, man. The thing we, you know, podcast.com is the website and Reddit. You go reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And then if you have that Apple podcasting app on your, you know, look at your iPhone, go to the podcasting app and go, hey, where's the podcast of champions? Do I follow them? If I don't, follow them. Have I given them a five star rating? If I haven't, go do that. Give us a five star rating. And then write something funny about us. It can be mean, it can be nice, whatever you want. Uh, we prefer the mean over the nice. I'm not sure what's David doing now. What are you doing there? That's, that's that just a, that, that's an airplane going overhead. For we're real, great, that was an airplane. Yeah, we're in the great great city of El Segundo. Um, yeah. Uh, you threw me 
here because you threw it to me when you hadn't yet finished your preamble. True. See, See if you actually attention. won. You actually won the the uh, contest today. <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't know we were competing, but okay. <laughs> I thought we were partners. <laughs> that's how you're truly a winner. No, we're always competing. This is always a competition. Every day is a job interview, Ryan. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of new five star reviews, Ryan. Oh, perfect. All right. One is from Night Train 151. This is a five star review. POC, great podcast. Very entertaining, even with talking about football only about half the time. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to hearing David talk about how amazing Lincoln Riley's offense is and Chip Kelly's extension this fall after UCLA's eight win season. Thank you, hey, Night Train 151. Hey, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good season, I would say. Yeah. Five stars, what the heck, 2015. Love it, dot, 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 but, dot, 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 dot. Hello. I generally love the podcast and talking about football, especially Pac-12 football. I am usually very calm and will happily listen to the entertaining football banter between Ryan and David. This week, however, I was actually upset with David's very negative and condescending attitude toward Ryan and the subject matter. Did your mother write this, Ryan? I No, she, she would not listen to, to me or you on a podcast, for sure. Yes, some of us college football fans do not mind discussing and dissecting any bit of football subject matter, including early schedule time and date releases. Many of us enjoy hearing about spring training news from the conference. In fact, during the offseason, almost any subject related to football is welcome, in my opinion. I mean, if he doesn't want to talk about Pac-12 football, maybe he is on the wrong podcast. <laughs> if David wants to, this is my podcast. All right, Rob, I'll talk about whatever the hell I please. Uh, if David wants to talk about Disney princesses, I am sure there are other podcasts he can listen to, or better yet, start your own podcast to discuss Disney. Not that you I should do one enjoy. for your, like the bro, like the bro, like the bro site, like like do like a broadcast or something. Like that would be good. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I should maybe do like a UCLA <laughs> podcast of some sort. You know what's you know what's funny, Rob? What's funny is discussing Disney princesses on a football podcast. You know what's not funny? Discussing Disney princesses on a Disney podcast. True. Yeah. Not yeah. that I don't enjoy light subject matter. I do. Stuff like which character in Encanto describes each Pac-12 coach, that was gold. I surprisingly laughed more than I thought I would. Anyway, had to get that off my chest. Believe it or not, I do enjoy David's contribution to the football discussions. Just don't be so negative all the time. It gets tiresome. Love the podcast, Rob. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for the inter th thank you for the five star review. Most importantly, you followed the rules, and that's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're your going to upset some people when when I'm trying to talk some actual football news, and you're like poo pooing it. There's going to be people that are like, no, this is the whole point. <laughs> but that's but that's but that's the charm. That's the right. charm, Rob. Now you may not think it's charm. You may, in fact, find it deeply, deeply, deeply annoying to the point where you turn off the show and never listen to us again. But in my mind, it's the charm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we got a fun show for you today. Uh, I was listening to our friends over at the uh, I want the so the main part of the show. I want to go over uh, it's kind of the roster update. So Chris Cartman, uh, our friend, covers uh, the Sun Devil, Sun Devil Source. Uh, he's done a great job putting together, tabulating, uh, putting all the kind of NIL, not NIL stuff, all the transfer portal stuff that each team has gone through since the end of the 2021 season, uh, asked all the publishers, which is, you know, we've tried that a million times. It's like herding cats. Like we said, it's hard. It probably took him over a month, but he got it all together. He put it up and we can kind of go through each team and give some highlights of, you know, where they are transfer portal wise. I thought that would be an interesting show. Just kind of see 
Uh, you know, is there a team that added like 50 guys and lost 20 or is there a team that lost 50 guys and added 20, you know, whatever, just some, some kind of numbers and going through each team. We don't have to go a ton of detail. We're not going to go through every player, but just sort of in general, I thought that'd be an interesting one, but I was listening, uh, to our friends over the truck stop podcast and they had mentioned us a couple of times. Um, so the main subject they were talking about is NIL guardrails and they don't like it. They want it are They're in general. Most of them want to see players paid trans, you know, transfer wherever you want, become employees, limit head coaching salaries, things like that. But they talked to us of like, first of all, they said that we were their favorite podcast, which is very flattering, but they said, we're reasonable people. I think they said I was, and you weren't or something. No, I'm just wow. kidding. So we're both reasonable people. Just kidding. And that we were like pro guardrails and stuff. And I'm trying to think, I'm like, was I saying stuff like that? And so I wanted to kind of clarify, like my position, maybe clarify your position too, when it comes to NIL, like I'm definitely pro players getting paid. I love all that stuff. I'm cool with players going wherever they want. Like that's, I, I think it's awesome. Like you should be able to transfer just like a, you know, if you you play the piano in a concert and you want to go from one school to another, you can do that. Like love that kind of stuff. That's cool. I think for me, when I'm thinking guardrails, and that's just like this generalization that comes up all the time, or it's some general term that maybe people, you know, it means a bunch of different things. I I don't really like players being like offered eight million dollars to go to a school. Like I'd like when them to get to the school, they they could make eight million dollars, but not necessarily like paying a player to go to the school and Maybe that's just semantics, I'm, and that's and that's just in my head. That's sort of where I'm like, I'd rather not see that. And like the way the rules are structured, they're not supposed to pay, be an incentive to go to a school. Um, but if you know you're going to get to that school and make the eight million dollars, is that the same thing? I don't know. I so I'm I'm definitely pro players getting money, transferring around, but just some of the rules, I guess. I'd, I'd like there to be some actual rules as far as like. Are you enticing high school players to go to the school by promising a whole bunch of money and maybe they don't even get it and stuff like that? So I don't know. That's that's sort of where I was. Uh, I have I have like basically two different sets of thoughts. One is like my personal like what I think is equitable and right is that they can get paid for doing whatever and within whichever circumstances and they have immediate eligibility to play anywhere. I, I think I <laughs> I made this point a couple of years ago, uh, but like personally. I think they should be able to move in season and transfer someplace like play one game with one school. And then next week, Oh, I got more money. I'm going to go to that school now and play. <laughs> um, in reality, that wouldn't happen actually, because um, my inertial points from a couple weeks ago, I, I don't think guys are actually wanting to move that much. Um, but I, I think there should be freedom to do that. I mean, if, if you can do that, if you can get compensated for your, the thing is, it's not even like a normal job. It's like um, uh, you only have, especially with football, you probably only have, I don't know, eight to ten prime earning years at most. Um, so and if it can start in college, if that clock can start in college and you can maximize it by like jumping ship midseason. Hell yeah, man. Go for it. Um, that's from my like personal standpoint of I think, you know, we've treated these people um, like um you know, unpaid labor for a long time. Uh, I won't use the true pejorative there, but certainly unpaid labor for a long time. So um, giving them the full freedom at this point would be, I think, uh, you know, it would at least serve to ameliorate some of those historical problems. Um, 
from a health of the sport standpoint, I don't think yeah. you can do that. And that's where I think the reality of the situation, I think what would probably, and here's the thing. I don't love the way professional sports are structured. I don't love the way the money flows. Um, I don't think even with some of the gargantuan contracts you see for some players that you might think are gargantuan, um, they are the value. And yet owners make a lot more money. They make a much bigger cut of the pie. And I don't love the structure. However, they are stable for the most part. Yeah, you do have strikes, and you do have labor stoppages and all that kind of stuff, but they are pretty stable. You generally produce a season, the whole thing, um, and there is some level of parity. It's not perfect, um, but the teams within that league can generally all get better or worse considerably in a few short years. I think something that made the structure of the NCAA or whatever the post-NCAA organization is going to be where they can control something akin to a salary cap um, and a, a monetary cap for whether it's coaching staffs, whether it's the player pool of money, whatever it is, and set it high, but um, and then allow the schools that want to participate in that sort of system opt in. Um, and I think you'll find that uh, a good portion of the Power Five will opt in. Um, but I think that's the way this is going, and it is probably um, the only way it would work long term. Um, you know, otherwise you're going to end up with something that's semi-pro at this level that's probably not attached to universities anymore. Yeah, like there could be like a 30-team, you know, like Division One. that's like these are the teams that really yeah. care about football. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that would be part of the health of the sports stuff and competitive advantage. But I, I don't, you know, I'm one. I love the players can can make money. You know, it's, a, it's great. Um, we're going to – it's a market, right? And you're going to see all kinds of problems in the market. There's going to be – corrections there's gonna be all kinds of weird stuff going on because that's just it happens in real life and i think it'll happen with this too am i worried that like you know the backup linebacker is gonna be upset that the quarterback's got some crazy deals and you know he doesn't i, I don't know like it, that that could happen in any work environment it can happen in any environment so i'm not worried about that stuff i would like to see some sort of when i think of guardrails it's just more about like hey here's some rules that you have to kind of play by or whatever but don't limit what you know i don't want to put a cap on what some kid can make if someone's willing to pay him 10 million dollars Pay them $10 million. You know, that's great for, you know, it's great to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I think like, um, I think the idea of starting as free as you can and then working, working inward on, okay, what are the things about the system that are really not working? Um, and then adding restrictions over time is probably the better way to go. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of people feel like if keeping it as open as it is wild, wild west, it's going to be hard to put a cap on things. Like you can't put the, Toothpaste back of that tube and all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, the way you think about that way, maybe it is you you watch it for a year and then you see like, all right, well, here's something that would help the players, the school. Like it would help everybody. It's not just limiting somebody or, you know, making a rule for the sake of making a rule. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I just listened to that like on my way over here. So uh, shout out to the our friends over at the uh, No Truck Stops. Um, so Chris Cartman, like I mentioned, put the story up on 24-7 Sports. Uh, it's Talk about the transfer portal in the Pac-12. 2,700 FBS and FCS players uh, were in the transfer portal. Like, it's crazy uh, the amount of uh, players that are in there. So, uh, USC actually ranks first overall in transfers, um, bringing seven players in from other Pac-12 teams, and they lost one uh, to another Pac-12 team. But uh, there's also other teams ranked in the top 25. Uh, UCLA is up there at number eight. With 12 commitments from the NCAA transfer portal, uh, ASU has uh, 14. They're ranked number 18th, uh, number 18. Um, Oregon, 
uh, has 10 commitments and they're ranked 23rd. And then Washington has nine commitments and is at 24. Uh, so five teams in the, the top 25. The SEC is the only uh, pro, the only conference that had more. They have six ranked among the top 25. And he kind of gives an overview of each one. Uh, we can start with Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> so we know they got hit hard by departures. Um, 11 players, he wrote, that there are potentially starters are on the two deep. Uh, but 18 players overall had departed, but they did bring in 13. So I think they did a, a pretty good job of trying to backfill uh, some of that stuff. Uh, the the high the highest ranked guy is uh, Nesta Jade, the uh, Miami nose tackle. He was a top 100 player in the transfer portal, um, but lost some big ones, you know, like Eric Gentry, the linebacker to USC. Uh, Jermaine Lolay went to uh, um, Louisville. He was a number 37 player, um, you know, losing... Uh, uh, you know, train him to Ohio State to play a different position. That was crazy, Jaden. You know, Jaden Daniels, your longtime quarterback to LSU. So, uh, some big, you know, Ricky Pershaw, the the wide receiver to Florida. They thought he'd be the best receiver. So a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of receivers, um, a lot of guys that were going to contribute. But you know, they did a pretty good job of of filling in some of those holes. But uh, any thoughts on ASU, Dave? I don't think they did that good of a job filling holes. Um, Emory Jones is not very good. Um, and even as much as, um, as Jaden Daniels fell off, I don't think he's an adequate replacement. They lost most of their receiving core. Didn't really replace it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've, they had too many holes to fill. I mean, I, they didn't even pick up a linebacker to replace Eric Gentry. Um, no, so you pick up like one receiver from Vanderbilt, Cam Johnson. And, and I think, I think Cartman said they like, they were down to like four or five scholarship receivers, like total. Like, yeah, that's, they that's they like, now look like a they now look like um, a team that's got some major holes. Like they look like a you know, I, I don't think there's going to be all too much difference between them and Arizona this year um, from uh, what's going on on the field. Like, oh yeah, that position group's okay. This one is a smoking crater. Um, that's that's kind of what they're going to look like this year. I was trying to be nice because Cartman did compile this. No, know, no, so. I think, but I think that's why he <laughs> partly why he compiled it. Um, Just to show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a top 25, you know, transfer class. But if, if you were like ranking classes to leave, like that would be a top. Well, that's why I keep saying three. the transfer rankings need to be net. Yes, I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we have Arizona Wildcats. Uh, not too many. Only eight additions uh, for the portal. And by the way, um, this is only including. Uh, FBS and FCS transfers. He's not including. So if there's a JC guy that came in, um, they're not included in in his numbers here. So if you if the team we're covering, like, oh, we brought in this great, you know, uh, defensive tackle from uh, we know some community college, like, uh, yeah, that, those are, they're not included in the rankings. So they're not. Uh, he didn't put those, uh, you know, compiling in his list. But this is one of those things where 24 guys go into the portal, only eight come out. But most of those guys going into the portal are there for a reason because they're essentially cut. Only big name. three. So I'll just say this. Only three of the 24 are going to another power five school. Yeah. And um, those three power five schools are Colorado, Boston College and Kansas State. It's not like these guys are moving up in the world. No, I, I totally fair. Um, big names bringing in Jane Delora, obviously. 
nearly 2,800 passing yards up at Washington State. And uh, Jacob Cowing, I think they're high on the wide receiver uh, from UTEP. So, you know, a pretty good one-two punch in the passing game coming out of the portal. So but this is one of those things where if you look at the numbers, like, oh, my God, they lost so many guys. But there's a reason you lost most of those guys. Yeah, they, they brought in a bunch of quality. They brought in a bunch of dudes this year also in the high school ranks. So I think some of this was probably encouraged departures. Um, but the arrivals in the transfer portal, like all of these guys are, you know, either group of five stepping up or power five stepping over. And there's several, you know, guys who are expected to be impact dudes, including Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowling, Anthony Solomon. And then a couple of UCLA guys that the UCLA staff was pretty high on and Savea and Warnell. So they got, uh, they got some guys. I, I like, they bring in Hunter Eccles from USC who I, who I liked him. He just, you know. He was kind of a mediocre contributor, but just I don't think he was in a great system. I think he can have a lot of success there too. So it, I like the players they've added. And then, um, like I said, you're not you're not you're not shedding too many tears over the people who are lost. So, all right, next up he has USC Trojans. Uh, skip you, USC. Uh, do, oh, oh, actually, we have a someone asked about the uh, we're talking about the portal. We got a drop for the portal. That's like the uh, beam me up Scotty stuff. It's uh-huh. a little too long, but I don't know. Do you want the Death Star music or no? Uh, so here we'll do. <laughs> okay. Uh, SC number one, they lost a bunch of guys. 21 departed. Actually, a couple more than that. Um, that just uh, as a new head coach, you can essentially cut guys, but keep them on scholarship. So they had a couple of players that just stuck around. They're getting their degree, but they're not going to play football anymore. They had actually have over 40 guys gone from the roster from last year. Uh, brought in 19 from the portal, plus a couple JC guys. Uh, some big names from the Pac-12. Uh, you know, Blinnikoff award-winning wide receiver Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, number one overall transfer, the quarterback from Oklahoma. So they brought a lot of dudes. Completely new roster. Um, there's a reason why they the number one ranked transfer classes because they just brought in a whole bunch of dudes. Well, what is Terrell Bynum thinking right now? <laughs> like, what's he thinking about right now? Because he's what? He's going to be like the fifth or sixth guy in that wide receiver rotation? I mean, he's he was such a good leader at Washington. And I don't know. I'm, Lincoln Riley talked about playing like 10 or 11 guys, you know. And that's about how many scholarship players they have. Could they just play almost everybody? Graham Harrell said that about USC, too. And he played like four guys. So it didn't matter. But they might rotate a bunch of guys in. I'm not sure. And even like a guy like Addison who caught a, you know, he had 144 targets last year at Pitt. Caught a hundred balls. You're not going to get any near that many, I would think. No, USC, but no. Um, so he's well, not going to get those kind of numbers. Brendan Rice. I mean, I love him as a player, but he's going to be third third receiver at best in this rotation. And he he would have been he would have been the like star featured guy at Colorado this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting choices being made because um, a lot of these guys, you know, had potential to probably be the the number one guy at their the school they departed and they're going to USC to be the fourth or fifth guy. Um, with, with those receivers coming in, you're wondering like, would any of them have had second thoughts if they knew that Jordan Addison was coming? Like, it's sort of like, that was a whole just like, yeah, it's just like a game changer kind of thing. Like, Oh, I'm not going to well, go there. And, Jordan and, Addison's there. And who's still there in the running back room? Cause Austin Jones and Travis die. One of you guys is not starting too. Yeah, they they only have three scholarship running backs right now. They're bringing in a five star, high four star Ray League Brown, but right. all all three guys were transfers. Uh, 
So yeah, so they, they don't have a lot of running backs. So they, they definitely needed some help there. Yeah. Well, it's a great class and they didn't really lose a whole lot in terms of impact players. I mean, yeah, they lost their former starting quarterback, but they picked up Caleb Williams. Um, you know. I like Michael Trigg a lot, but like, you know, you picked up Jordan Addison, you know, like there's, yeah, there's okay. nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing they lost that they didn't replace. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up we've got Colorado Buffalo. Not the uh, case for Colorado. <laughs> okay. Well, they brought in six and lost uh, 24. Uh, 23 or 24 guys. So, yeah. So let me just go through some of the names they lost. Okay. Jared Broussard, their starting running back to Michigan State. He was like really good, right? Wasn't he like the offensive yes. like player of the year or something? Or was it Christian, was some... Christian Gonzalez, one of the best DBs in the league to Oregon? Uh, Makai Blackman, another one of the best DBs in the league to USC. Brandon Rice to USC. Dimitri Stanley to Iowa State. Now, the thing is, you're, you listener out there, probably not a huge Colorado follower. You probably knew those names, though, because yeah. they were the players for Colorado that we, we heard their names because they did positive things. Um, they lost a lot of guys. Like when you're looking at the list, uh, we should probably post this link in the, um, story. Cause when you look at the list of guys they lost, like a bunch of these guys are starters. Like, yeah. Real dudes who were, who, who, <laughs> who were going to make an impact for Colorado and they replaced them. And I, I don't mean this to knock anybody coming in with a bunch of bunch of chaff and Tommy Brown. That's it. They, they got mm. Tommy Brown. Who's an OT from Alabama. Uh, everyone else is, you know, bleh, meh. They got, they got someone from incarnate word. That's not the quarterback. <laughs> they got an offensive tackle from Arizona. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Uh, so this is a problem. They, they did have a big class, uh, 31 total commits in the 2022 recruiting class. So they weren't really going for the portal. They're going for high school, but I mean, that's like long-term building. Like this is like, you got to turn this team around. That was four and eight, three and six in the pack 12s. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not bullish on the buffs, uh, in 2022. It, it hurts. It hurts. Cause you know, Ralphie's getting a little bigger. She's, you know, you're going to be excited for, for Ralphie running this year. Like just, she looked like a little spindly thing last year, but I don't think Colorado is going to be that fun. Um, no, no. So, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's go up to, uh, Northern Cal and talk about California golden bears, sturdy golden bear. Uh, not a lot of action. Um, you know, Justin Wilcox sort of like keeping, keeping things pretty cool that you know, I think below average as far as uh transfer portal action 10 guys leaving uh six guys arrived you know Jake Plummer is probably the the name that you're going to hear the most the the quarterback that's weird uh, because his name is Jack I'm sorry Jack Plummer sorry J- I mean oh, you might J- hear a lot of Jake Plummer as in is he related to Jake Plummer right uh Jack Plummer uh the the quarterback from Purdue um so you know I think that's, you know, we, we, we talked about Jackson Sermon a lot cause he's highly ranked and, and Dave always poo poos it because like, wait, who's his dad? Yes, I know. Um, uh, but another top hundred guy, uh, Xavier Carlton, uh, the defensive end from Utah. So, you know, it's a in, tra- in, in, uh, what's it called? Uh, in conference transfer. So some of one there, but, um, the only, like the bigger name on the, for departed would be McCade, uh, 
Hightower. Is that how you say his name? The six, he's 61st ranked. Uh, he went from Cal to Oklahoma. So he's an offensive lineman. So there's one, you know, fairly big loss there. But yeah, any thoughts on that, Cal? Na- names you know that departed Christopher Brooks, uh, Nico Remigio. They're both gone. Um, so those are blows to the offense. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they didn't seem to lose all of that much. Um, and they didn't bring in all that much. So I don't think the transfer portal is going to have a huge impact on on Cal's performance this year. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's stay in the Pac-12 North. And we got Oregon Ducks. I'm not sure of the order of what he was doing here. It might be like the number of guys that departed. Are we counting down that way? I think, no, I think no. he's doing the good old alphabet here. Oh, is this sort of. alphabetical? Well, no. No, USC was third. No, so. no, it's not alphabetical. What is yeah. he doing? I'm not sure what the order. It might have just been like who sent him the email like in what order? Like I sent him an email pretty quickly. So this is I'm, chaotic. I was not expecting Chris Cartman to be this chaotic. There, there's yeah. I, I haven't figured it out yet as we're reading through this. And to be fair, because we prepare so much, the first time I'm looking at this, I looked at the USC stuff just to check it over because he asked people to check it. But um, that's about it. So yeah, minimal. Like for a coaching change, I would say not a ton of action. Uh, Fourteen players departed. Uh, nine arrived. You know, big name, Bo Nix. Obviously, uh, the quarterback from Auburn. Uh, he's not good. He's not good. He's not a good quarterback. <laughs> um, we're, we're, I think he's the big name because you've heard his name a lot because the SEC gets covered uh, extremely. But uh, Bo Nix is not, not a good quarterback. Um, and I think it was, you know, they probably could have gotten somebody better. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned like uh, Kristen Gonzalez, the cornerback coming in from Colorado. Uh, he's you know, highly rated another in a conference transfer, uh, chase Coda, the, the wide receiver, um, coming in, um, uh, who else? So I think they got the running back from Minnesota, uh, Marquis serving. He's ranked pretty high. Um, and there were some, some high profile losses, uh, who did they lose? So Travis Dye came to USC, Trey Benson went to Florida state, Micah um, Pittman to Florida state. Um, Lost a lot of offensive linemen. There was a bunch of offensive linemen. A couple linemen. of them to Miami with Cristobal. Um, yeah. Jalen Davies, who was a four-star, but I don't – it might have been a little overrated. Um, he went to UCLA. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't lose a ton. And what they brought in – I mean, they brought in who's likely going to be their starting quarterback, even though I don't think he's very good in Bo Nix. So, I think more or less a wash. Yeah, it's – you know, it's. Uh, I, I thought there might be a little bit more action just with a new staff and everything, but you know, we'll see. But yeah, that's. Uh, there was some still some stability there for for a new head coach. Across uh, the state, we'll go to Oregon State Beavers. Uh, they had one transfer <laughs> in. They they got the running back uh, Jamarius Griffin from Georgia Tech. Like one. Uh, one, one dude lost 10. Um, you know, there's, there's a bowl team, right? They, uh, their overall class is 56 nationally. Um, so I think the, as far as like, they're kind of standing pat on what they had, uh, you know, what they added from the recruiting class didn't really go hit the portal very hard, which I think the year before they, they did a lot more, uh, in the transfer portal. Um, any big, I don't think there's really. Any huge names that they lost from that list? Uh, anyone jumping out to you? The wide no, receiver. 
Nothing yeah. really jumps out to me. I mean, Champ Flemings is the name you guys would know. Um, he's like their 130-pound wide receiver. Uh, he went to Arkansas <laughs> State. Um, but everyone else, it seems like they more or less went down a level. Um, Zariah Beeson is the one who made a lateral, lateral move to Washington State. He was a wide receiver. But everyone else went down a level or is undecided currently. So it doesn't seem like they lost much at all. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up. Stanford Cardinal. They did the whole uh, add one player from the portal thing to safety from Oklahoma, Patrick Fields. Only lost nine guys um, this time, but there's some, you know, some names you would have heard of the, you know, a couple of running backs, Austin Jones, the USC, Nathaniel Pete to Missouri. Um, You know, I think there's fewer transfers than we saw last year, right? Um, There was... uh, I think yeah. last year they had more players like transferring out and things like that. Uh, definitely fewer this year, but they lost their basically their entire running back depth chart and uh, starting linebacker and Gabe Reed. Right, and uh, you know, a bunch of defensive linemen. Uh, Ryan Johnson went to Northwestern. Oh yeah, and for like the I don't know tenth year in a row, they're going to have like two defensive linemen. But everything <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's fine on the farm. Don't worry about it. Yeah, this is just. It's not fine. It's not. I mean, I just, I think we, you know, kind of pegged the teams that were going to stink last year. We did a pretty good job of it. And I, I'm not seeing anything that's making me say like, oh, Colorado's going to be good or Stanford's going to be good. I think they're still going to stink. I think Arizona might stink, but it's because their their schedule's tough, but they're going the right direction. It's just going to take them a little while. Um, you know, maybe we're wrong on some of these teams, but I'm just looking at, I'm, I, I think Stanford's just going to, you know. Is three and nine again? Like, what What do you do? You go back to back three and nines? Like, I I don't know. I, I right. kind of think that's a real possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up. UCLA Bruins. Coming up. I love what he wrote. Coming off its best season under head coach Chip Kelly. You should have put the, uh, and a brand new extension. <laughs> <laughs> the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did put the record uh, 18 and 25 for Jim Kelly, 16, 18 in the Pac-12. Uh, but they're going to a positive tra- trajectory. So tell me about 12 guys coming in. I mean, there's a lot of action here. 12 guys coming in. Mm-hmm. The uh, the twins from te- North Texas uh, on the defensive line, probably the highlights there. And then uh, 21 guys out of the program. Is this is this good? Is this bad? Where, where are we what are we talking about here, Dave? I would say it's a net neutral um so i like a lot of the impact guys they brought in the murphy twins um the defensive ends from north texas both of those guys are going to be impact players raekwon o'neill we haven't seen him yet but he is more or less penciled in to start at offensive tackle um jacob sykes has a chance to start this year uh the defensive lineman from harvard we haven't seen him yet but just looking at the three tap depth chart uh he has chance uh, was impressed with Titus uh, Mokiao Atamalala. Um, he's got some legit speed. He's going to be a two-deep guy. Darius Muasal looks like he's going to slot right into starting middle linebacker and probably be the best UCLA middle linebacker in, I don't know, five years. And Jake Bobo, the receiver from Duke, uh, he's going to catch a lot of balls this year. Yeah, um, he, was, he was a stud this spring. Yeah, so the departed guys, I think the names to know that are going are Mitchell Agude. Uh, he was probably their best rush guy last year. He's going to Miami. He probably would have thrived in UCLA's new system. They're doing a little bit more 4-3, so the ends are lining up a little bit further out, which would play a little bit better into his speed rush 
Uh, Jay Shaw, the starting cornerback, is gone. Uh, he was maybe their best corner last year. Um, he's gone to Wisconsin, so that was a blow. And their cornerback depth isn't great. Um, Chase Cota has been a starting wide receiver, not really productive at UCLA, but um, he was a starter, so he was doing something right. Um, other than that, I wouldn't say they're they're losing a whole lot of impact depth. I guess Odua Isabor, but he wasn't very good. He was just kind of starting or in the two deep by default. Um, everyone else is oh, and Caleb Johnson. Sorry, uh, linebacker Caleb Johnson, who was a starter last year. He's off to Miami, but he's more or less he, he had more or less gotten replaced by Muasau before he had even transferred. So I would say it's about a wash. I think there's a chance actually that it turns out a little bit in UCLA's favor, depending on exactly how much of an impact the Murphys can make. Uh what about the guys going to Arizona? A couple guys that Jed Fish got. They weren't so they weren't starters, but Warnell especially was expected to be in the two deep this year at safety. Um and Savea, I think they were positive about. Um like him potentially being a, a two deep guy this year and then maybe being a starter down the road. So I think those are quality transfer additions for Arizona. I don't All know. Right. The thing is they're quality transfer additions for Arizona who might play a lot more this year at UCLA. They likely wouldn't have played a ton this year, but might've been in the two deep. But then they, they could be. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're they, they have potential to be really good. Okay. All right. Next up we've got Utah Utes. Uh, obviously, winning the Pac-12 didn't need to go. They they hit the portal hard the previous year, um, previous two years I think, and then just bringing in five players this year. And uh, but you know, 14 guys have departed. But again, I don't think it's a ton of guys. You know, you lose a guy like Charlie Brewer, he goes to Liberty. Like yeah, because Cam Rising was way better. <laughs> like that's like yeah. I think there's a bunch of that happening here. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's you know uh, it's. I mean, what, Charlie Brewer wasn't going to start? That's fine. I think looking at it, they're pretty good. They didn't need to do a whole lot, and I don't think they lost a whole lot. So, yeah, I think they're in pretty good shape. I don't think there was anything devastating that happened in the portal. And obviously, I think getting Diabate, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, that's huge. Um, To replace Devin Lloyd, um, they needed to bring in some linebackers, and they brought in two starter-level guys. Good. Yeah. Uh, Defensive end Xavier Carlton was one that... uh... You know, he was a, I think he was a pretty big contributor last year. So there's a couple guys, uh, you know, some guys that were some potential, but you know, it's not like, I I think they just bring a lot of guys back and and most of them are sticking around. And like you said, bringing in, uh, some players to try to, you know, fill in some of the roles of of some of the big names that did, uh, you know, that that aren't around anymore. And, you know, they're, they're trying to stand pat as much as possible, which makes sense when you, you know, trucked a lot of the, the best teams of Pac-12 last year and and almost beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Right. Uh, all right, next up. Washington Huskies. Uh, again, we got a new uh, coaching staff. Sort of, you know, 11 guys leave, nine guys in. Um, you know, I, it, you know, it seems like, you, you know, with the there wasn't a ton of movement with Kalen DeBoer. You know, try to keep some of the guys that are in there. We mentioned like Jackson Sermon. Uh, you know, he's playing with his dad at Cal. Um, but you know, there wasn't a whole lot of highly ranked players uh, leaving. I don't know any thoughts on, you know, what what uh, Washington did. Um, I mean, not. I, I don't know if it's necessarily positive. I mean, losing Bynum and Sermon is pretty, you know, a little bit rough. You can expect some of this stuff with a new staff in place. 
Uh, they got a quarterback, uh, Michael Penix. 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 Um, and, uh, Junior. you know, they got some decent players. Uh, I think it'll probably work out to about a wash. But, um, yeah, they, they, they lost a little bit. Jacoby Covington, I liked him a little. I mean, he was kind of going to be – I think he's going to be a contributor this year because they had such a good secondary last year, the DB. He's going to USC. Um, what about Latau or – well, uh, they, so Washington had Washington had medical retired him. Um, so this isn't really a true transfer. Uh he wasn't he was never going to play for Washington because they had retired him. Okay. Um he's still not as far as I know, still not medically cleared at UCLA either. Um he participated in practice, but only individual drills. He didn't actually do any of the team stuff, and I think he was waiting on medical clearance. Um so we'll have to wait and see if that's gonna matter at all. All right, and then we have Washington State Cougars. I accidentally deleted the uh, the growl one. I have to try <laughs> to find it again. Um, I don't know where it went, but it's so we're we're getting a meow for the Cougs. Sorry about that, because we're we're pretty high on what Jake Dickert's uh, doing there. Um, you know, lost a couple quarterbacks: Jaden Delora, Cameron Cooper, but bringing in Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word. Uh, he's just seems to be, everybody seems to be like really, really high on him. So kind of like, you know, 19 guys leaving eight arriving with this, you know, newly worked coaching staff. He, there was some continuity cause he, you know, he had taken over as the interim. Uh, but it seems like a little bit of uh roster cleaning, uh, I would say, uh, and then, you know, adding some pieces that you, you thought you needed, but any, any thoughts on Washington state? Not really. I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I think they picked up what they needed to pick up. I don't think any of their losses are that significant. And if you look at it, most of the guys are dropping down um, a level uh, who are leaving, which if you're going to have a bunch of transfers out, that's kind of what you want to see. It's a bunch of guys who maybe didn't quite fit at this level. Um, So we'll see. They might have a numbers problem, um, but uh, I I don't think they've um, been devastated by transfers in any real way. Yeah, they uh they also brought in the Robert Farrell, uh, the wide receiver from Incarnate Word, um, and apparently I think he's one of his, of of uh, Ward's favorite receivers. But I think there was a typo in this. He said his forever receiver, but <laughs> maybe it was his forever receiver. But uh, bringing the guys like that, and a couple, you know, they brought in some skill position players. Um, Jordan Lee uh, from Nevada, you know, Cartman notes that he could be a, a potential immediate starter. Um, so I, you know, this, this does look like, you know, there, there were going to be some guys that were, uh, you know, Rolovich guys and they were going to transfer out no matter what. Um, but you know, you got to like a wide receiver going to the Colorado school of mines. Is that going to be a huge loss? Like, you know, probably not another linebacker going to Chattanooga. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that, but that, you know, brought in some pieces that can be, you know, big time contributors. And obviously if, if Ward can do you know, what a lot of people think he's capable of doing. I think Washington State could really be a factor uh, in the Pac-12 North. So um, I think it's, you know, overall, like probably a net positive, I would say, for Washington State in the portal. Absolutely. Yeah. I said in the, like, I was going to write that we're like grading these. We're not really, I guess, do we kind of grade them? Sort of, maybe? No, not really. We didn't, we really didn't grade provide them. grades. I'll have to change that. We didn't grade them. Um, but we just kind of overall give you a little. We, we, we allowed somebody else to do some work for us in red for a while. We did. That was good. Uh, we like to do that. I, I, we can do some more of that too. We like um, reading. 
Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about the guardrail stuff. A uh, little quick uh, around USC, the guy that hired uh, Lincoln Riley, or the architect behind it, Brandon Sosta, the uh, chief of staff, he left. He's leaving. Most He's going. importantly, the guy who had a nice breakfast with us in Las Vegas left. He did. Yeah. Um, I like I like him. Uh, you know, we probably had our differences over, you know, he's a really competitive guy, but uh, cool dude. Um, enjoyed, you know, kind of seeing him work. And uh, I thought he did some, you know, USC was just so poorly run. And he's part of the reason why they've tried to not be poorly run. So that, you know, good on him for that. Uh, but yeah, he's going to the Detroit Lions, taking a front office job there. He's like 29 or 30. He'll probably be an NFL GM like before too long. Um, but it was nice. We had a nice breakfast with him. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. Good but anyway, guy. so he's he's going, but he, you know, I, I guess he did his damage. He hired Riley, and now he's saying like, drop the mic, peace out. But speaking of like other people doing work, um, media deal stuff. So our buddy John Wilner did some 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 sleuthing and some digging around to kind of find out what's going on. So as you know, the Big Ten media deal, we might get an announcement about that really soon. It's the uh, the end. It's summer of 2023 is when that gets you know flips over. A full year before the Pac-12, the summer of 2024, even though the Big Ten has already had other deals negotiated while you the, while the Pac-12 is in their long 12-year terrible deal that Larry Scott signed, um, Willard talks about is it good to, is it good to wait to see what the Big Ten does? Uh, there's some benefits to it, you know, just kind of seeing what the market is. Um, but the the nice thing for the Pac-12 is they the Pac-12 does own all of their media rights, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three. There's a lot of flexibility. Maybe George Klyovkov can do some outside-the-box deals, so we'll have to kind of see. Um, what Wilder was saying was he doesn't expect the Pac-12 network is going to have football or basketball on it any longer. Probably it's going to be some sort of streaming thing that shows Olympic sports. Maybe it gets sold to like an ESPN Plus and you could see some football stuff on there. But uh, there's not going to be seven networks. It's not going to be like over cable and all that kind of crap. Like That's all going to go away. So I think you're going to see some of the tier two, two and three stuff, you know, being sold and, you know, maybe Amazon's a player. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll see, you know, kind of what happens with the big 10. And a lot of it has to do with the big 10. Like if the big 10, like gets sucked up by Fox, for example, and they're like, we're going to take all of your inventory because like the ESPN is basically going to take all of the SEC's inventory that might leave the PAC 12 in a better position because Fox is, you know, this and, and ESPN is that. And there's other, you know, CBS and NBC, they need they need content and they might feature the Pac-12 a little bit more. So there could be some opportunities there. But if the Big 12, if the Big 10, like, splits up their stuff and has some Fox, has some ESPN, has some everybody else, uh, that might kind of limit some of the, you know, the the deals that the Pac-12 could make. So there's a lot kind of up in the air um, right now as far as the, the media rights deals uh, go. But I don't know, any thoughts on any of that stuff, David? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of the situation we've been talking about for a while. Um, I, I think getting creative with it, and I have full confidence that Klyavkov's going to get creative with it. Uh, it's probably the best route. Um, if they're going to go streaming only for the Pac-12, um, uh, stuff that's on, the, or would have been on the network, then shop it around some. Don't just go pure ESPN Plus, or, or don't just think you have to be tied to ESPN, or don't just think you have to be tra- tied to a traditional cable network anyway. Um, I'd be interested to see if they ran the numbers on, you know, do some advanced polling to see all right, how many people would be willing to pay for the Pac-12 app or whatever to just watch all the Pac-12 games. Is it enough and how much could you get them to pay? 
um, to make that part worth it. Um, yeah. If you then also sell advertising on that app, um, I don't know. Um, but there's, I think there's a lot of different things that they can try to do, and I'm sure they're going to look at it a lot of different options. Um, I think the traditional cable route, though, is, is probably not the way to keep up with the Joneses at this point because um, they're going to outpace them just from an interest standpoint, uh, no matter what. Yeah, and uh, some of the, the numbers that Wilner kind of puts out there from talking to sources, he thinks the Big Ten deal could be like $900 million a year. And the Pac-12 one would be like half of that. So that's, you know, pretty big, pretty big gap uh, to kind of fill. But we'll see. I mean, we, we should know pretty soon some of the details on the Big Ten deal. And then once that happens, you know, I think there'll be a lot of, you know, talk and analysis and, you know, speculation on what that means for the Pac-12 and where their deal could go. I do have a lot of confidence in George Klayovkov being able to come up with like, you know, it's it's like you basically are trying to make a hand or you're, you're playing Scrabble or whatever. And, you know, I, you might have had some really good tiles before with with uh, Larry Scott and you just you weren't able to put together any good words. Uh, you know, there might be, a you know, some of the maybe some limitations in the, the kind of hand that Klyovkov has to play. But I feel like he's going to be smart about it and, you know, do everything he can to kind of maximize and squeeze the most juice out of the Pac-12 and all of their tier deals, you know, they're going to do smart things. They're not going to focus on like, well, we have to show, what was it like 800 live sporting events a year. So those things cost a ton of money and nobody watches them. Like that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to, we're going to focus on people, something people don't care about. And it costs a whole bunch to produce. Like they're not going to do that anymore. Um, I think so. He's going to fix a lot of the problems, a lot of the low hanging fruit, but you know, to do that, I think if he does it really well, we talked about this before, you could be third in the Pac-12. You can be behind the SEC. You're not going to catch the SEC. You're not going to catch a Big Ten. But, man, you'd love to keep them within spitting distance if you could. And I don't know. Like, even if everything, everything goes right, it might just be just a huge gap, Like no matter almost no matter what Klayovkov does. But I feel like he's going to make some good decisions that make, you know, give yourself the best chance, you know, that maximize what you got. Uh, even though, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't, isn't going to stand up uh, to those other conferences, right? The other big two right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Well, that's going to wrap up what the newsy stuff we're talking about. Let's take a quick break. We got a few questions back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, this first one's a juicy one. Is it a juicy question? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is from Andrew. What is the most annoying, quote, holier-than-thou stance in your opinion? Examples, vegan, CrossFit, extreme hikers, marathon runners, wine, quote, aficionados, grammar Nazis, world travelers, foodies, etc. Thank you and have a glorious day. I think we should rank these. Okay. Uh, could I add one or two? Or sure, we, sure. Please, we please, think please, about please. some other ones. Um, I love like hiking. I wouldn't say I'm extreme. I've done some cool hikes, but I don't do it very often. And I definitely don't talk about it all the time. So I'm not sure. I don't know what that one would be. Um, I would say American soccer fan. Yep. Like, okay. Good, good, good. Is that a I good think one? That, that, that generally goes along with a few of these, but yes. Okay. Where you're an idiot because you don't understand it and all, all right. this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's like, basically yeah. like I was into that band before you were, and so I'm cooler than you are. But anyway, all right, so let's start right. with vegan. So here's the thing. Vegans, um, and you know, I'll throw vegetarians <laughs> in there too, they actually kind of are holier than us in some ways because they're not like, you know – like there's a moral reason for it. Like, yeah, yeah, they can get into like it's a lifestyle choice for a lot of people. But there's also like a like if if I'm when I'm asked like what is the thing that a hundred years from now people are gonna look back on us and say, wow, those people were barbarians. You know what it's gonna be? Uh, surgery. No, it's gonna be all the animal shit. It's gonna be all of the like factory farming and all that kind of gross stuff. So like being vegan. I don't know. It's pretty far down my list, even though I find many vegans personally annoying. Like when you get down to it, the reason for it is like, uh, okay, I kind of get it. Wait, don't we have like pointy teeth for like to eat meat? Like, isn't that like the whole point? No, no, no. But okay. But I think for a lot of vegans, though, it's, it's opposition, not only to the idea of eating animals, but specifically the way in which we currently eat animals and the way we raise oh. to be, you know, slaughtered. Gotcha. So right. did, would they have an issue with me going out in the ocean and catching my tuna and then eating it? Because it Maybe. tastes really good. I'm I'm sure an average vegan would, but you know that that's that's the way of our people. If um, I showed them the deck, like of all the tuna that we caught, like you know the what? whole boat, they wouldn't like that. I was that. reading the whole thing about how catch and release is actually probably just as bad, if not worse, than just eating the fish. Really? Why? Because you're essentially traumatizing the fish um, and fish get traumatized and they more or less die pretty quickly after you release them anyway. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mm. So you may as well just eat them. Like there's actually a lot of um, you a lot of rules at certain rivers now where you can't catch and release. You catch to eat. Wow. OK. But anyway. All right. So vegan, I'm putting it pretty far down the list. It's not among my highest annoyances. OK. Yeah. CrossFit. So they're a little bit more low key. I don't find CrossFit people proselytizing nearly as much, but they are super annoying when they do. I think there's there's could be a high level of it. My cousin's like a nationally ranked CrossFitter. She's like literally my first cousin, and I'm six three, and she's like five feet tall, but she's really good. And I've gone to their gym like when I go visit them in Temecula, and everyone in there was super nice, even though I you know I'm trying you know a lot of the stuff like the there's, there's technique that you just, uh, you know, it's not just like doing stuff. You kind of have to learn some of the moves. I would say everyone's been super nice to me in it. Uh, but I've definitely seen CrossFit people that are like, you know, they talk about it all the time and all this stuff. So, well, it's I, a cult. It's a, it's an actual cult. So, 
you know, that makes it a little bit, you know, bad. It's pretty high on my list. It's not the top, but it's okay. it. uh, extreme hikers. I'm with you on this. I don't hear enough from these people to, I mean, I've definitely heard of people who do like these insane hikes where they're, you know, doing either a crazy through hike or they're doing some long backpacking trip, but frankly, it all sounds very nice. Um, so I don't really have objections to them. Yeah, I did. So I did one of the hardest ones in the country, the cactus, the clouds. Uh, it's uh, Mount San Jacinto, which is 10, never mind. I think they're very annoying. Yeah. I'm going to tell you 10,000 <laughs> feet of elevation gain in one day. It was like, like literally 11 hours of walking up. Well, well, so <laughs> here's, the thing. here's the thing. You can't, it was awful. You can't make extreme hiking sound fun. And so I think that's part of the thing. There's no effort to make it sound like, oh, this is anything other than an excruciating yet rewarding experience. Um, but I will say, like, the thing is, if you're somebody who's into hiking, you're into, you know, taking a long time out in the wilderness by yourself or with, like, three other people. And that just does not lend itself to, like, long um bragging and and talking about it you're by yourself a lot so yeah no it is i, I started doing it during COVID a lot but like i think if you do crossfit or you're like vegan like you like that like i i think about it all the time like i don't think i even like hiking i like accomplishing but like while i'm doing the hiking it kind of sucks you know like yeah so i don't even know if i should be doing it but whatever <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I'll make a point at the end of this. I don't have a problem with anybody doing any of this stuff. My problem is more when people direct their own things to other people. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, that sounds great for you. I don't want to do it. Uh, marathon runners. Um, yeah, I mean, so here's my, they seem my pretty thing. They chill, right? They seem pretty chill. The thing I'd say about marathons is it's, it's just kind of stupid and pointless. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why you're doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever you're not, I mean, marathon people, like it's just, it's the thing they do. They like going and running 26 miles and feeling their nipples bleed or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy that. Um, but it's, it doesn't seem like a good time. Um, and I don't find, again, I don't really find these people. Well, I guess they do. Cause they do those little 26.2 stickers on the back of their car. And like, it just makes me think, Oh, not. Yeah, you're one of you're one of those people who who likes to just feel pain. You're a masochist. <laughs> what's the what's the furthest you ever ran? The furthest I ever I've I've run a 10k. Okay, that's good. Six 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 point two miles. Um, yeah. I've done a half marathon, and yeah, I've wanted why? to do I've wanted to do a marathon. I did I it did with a, my sister a, down I in San Diego. 10, I did a 10k at uh, other than high school or beginning college, and it, it like that was. It was fine. Like it's I don't. Like an hour. I, I've never. I've never loved running. Like my preference would be to um, walk for a long time rather than run, just because running sucks. It's it's not fun. It's not an enjoyable experience. Um, and I think the people who are into it, uh, you know, have a little something wrong with their brains. Yeah, I I still I still want to do one. I haven't done a marathon. I kind of wanted to do one for a while, but I never like want to bother the train all that much and. I'm getting freaking old, so it's going to be a lot tougher. So I probably won't do one, but I've, I've thought about it. I just haven't done it. Yeah. Wine aficionados. Uh, yeah, this one, I, this one's pretty high on my list. You want to know why, Ryan? Why? For the same reason about everything I've ever said about alcohol. Can I tell you something about wine? You don't think it tastes good. It all tastes the same. <laughs> Every, it's not, so there's a difference between types of wine but like a bottle from this vineyard versus the $2 Charles I can get from the store, it tastes the fucking same. 
If it's a red wine, it'll give me some version of heartburn. If it's a white wine, it'll either be a sweet dessert wine or it's not going to be and it won't taste as good. Um, but otherwise, it's it, it all tastes the same. Nothing can convince me of anything different. It, it does not. There is no. It all tastes the same. It it's it's fine. Like it's it's fine for what it is. Um, but like pairing it with certain meals and all that garbage. No, no, not true. <laughs> There's so I mean, I like it if someone's saying, hey, this pairs well with this and people Ooh. try things as long as they're like, there's some really good wine people. They're like, look, if that's an eight dollar bottle of wine and you like it, drink it. Like, don't don't say, well, because this one's two hundred fifty dollars. You have like that's way better. Like you might not like it as much. It's it's what you like. I think there's some really I guess I've run across good people that are wine people, but they're definitely going to be the the snobby. And those are the ones that we're kind of like judging, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, because I mean, we're talking about the aficionados. If we're talking about people who are cool, which is what you're describing, uh, cool people who say, hey, yeah, if you like the thing, just do that thing. Yeah, that's a cool attitude about everything. But no, we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the people who are like, oh, no, I, I don't drink the Cabernet from 2018 from that vineyard. Who could possibly? Um, no. Yeah, no. Sideways, a good like it's funny. I guess that like I guess Merlot is actually a pretty good wine, and they kind of take shots at it in sideways, and it became like like taboo to drink Merlot, and it like screwed them up. And it's and if you talk to some like wine people, like actually it's pretty good, but they that movie trashed it, so people think it's terrible now, so they don't drink it. Um, this next one I love because as someone that was a uh, you know, more of a math guy, uh, you know, more of a technical kind of education. And you've had more of a broader, like liberal arts, you know, background and you use words I need to look up on the podcast half the time and you'll structure your sentences much better than I will. I love the fact that you hate <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate it so much. So my my thing with uh, language is I've got a very simple philosophy on it is it is meant to be understood. So, however, so here's the thing. Most people are fluent speakers, right? You know, the way you talk. And so I have a pretty conversational style of writing because that's the way I, I just feel about writing is that it needs to be thought of as spoken language first. Um, and what happens with grammar people, I think it's a it's a certain mental um, set where um, they're they're. Um, rule following type people and also they they generally want a sense of superiority over other people because um, they know it, the obscure rule and they're going to tell you no, but it's not even an obscure rule a lot of times it'll be just a mislearned rule um the, the example i often use is the prepositions at end of sentences um the thing is that isn't an, an english rule it's a latin rule that in the 19th century a bunch of again fastidious uh you know pompous assholes decided needed to be applied to English, uh, but it doesn't make sense in English. There are a lot of sentences that need to end in of. Um, just the nature of the sentence makes it sound bizarre if you try to reconfigure it to have the preposition before the end of the sentence. Um, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Another one is uh, the people who absolutely insist on not including an Oxford comma, um, which makes some sentences ridiculous. Um, you know, there would be a natural pause here, but you're using this because of some crap that AP style dictated a hundred years ago that somehow got infiltrated into your elementary school. Um, there's just a bunch of crap like that, that, um, you know, people have, uh, I, I think it does give people a sense of superiority when they can correct somebody else's, um, 
what they think of as misspeaking, but um, many times uh, colloquialisms are either A, more natural, or B, going to be adopted into the lexicon very quickly anyway, and so you are you just look like an asshole. Um, and so grammar Nazis are very, very high on my list. They're probably number one, because nice. it's, it's, it's the lowest form of critique. Um, you know, it's just... <laughs> It's just, oh, you're, the way you structured your sentence, Jesus. Um, no, it's, uh, can you can you engage with whatever I said? Um, or is it, you know, you're just going to critique, you know, whether I started this sentence with a conjunction. Um, I, and again, starting a sentence with and or but or because is a perfectly legitimate way of communicating. Uh, it It makes absolute and total sense to do so. There are lots of times where I'm responding to a question I'm going to say because as the first word, because I am naturally conversing with that person. And it makes complete sense to translate that to uh, written speech. I would say as a corollary to this, uh, the people who critique this very show, but also other shows. And we've gone over this before for using filler for ums and uhs and all right. that stuff. That's, again, just stupid crap that's annoying to you personally. You, the person listening right now is like, yeah, that's me. Uh, that actually doesn't matter. And frankly, if we didn't have that in a normal conversation, if you didn't have that in a normal conversation with your friends, they would think you were a psychopath. <laughs> it's natural. It's way of holding space in a conversation and a podcast is a conversation where you go uh, as you're continuing to talk. It's a it's a less rude way of just not cutting off the other person. Um, so like right there, because. I you did said, that. Um, and then so, yeah. Yeah, I do that subconsciously so that Ryan knows I haven't I haven't I haven't finished my thought so he doesn't cut me off and so that we can continue to have a conversation. 100%. Yeah, I lo I love your stance on the grammar Nazi stuff. And coming from you, someone that could be a grammar Nazi, I think it it holds more weight, so I like it. Word up. Uh, we got world travelers. World travelers. It depends on the world traveler. Some of them are like very obnoxious and they're like, oh, I traveled to Spain last year and, and, and nothing is better than travel. And oh my gosh, everyone needs to travel. It's like this spiritual experience. And it's like, okay, all you're telling everyone is that your parents gave you a lot of money when you graduated <laughs> high school. That's all you're saying. Yeah, everyone wants to travel the world. We've all watched movies. Get the hell out of here. But some of us actually have to work. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, go, going and traveling the world, that's great. Uh, but, uh, uh, talking about it in anything other than, Hey, here's a cool thing that happened, but like turning it into something where this is like a spiritual experience where you need to convince everyone else to travel. Guess what? The problem isn't wanting to travel. <laughs> the problem is everything else. The problem is the money <laughs> and the time. Yeah, Exactly. And foodies, uh, foodies are fine. They're mostly fat people. We all right. Where, where do you put the uh, the American soccer fan that tells you you're an idiot? So American you don't soccer like fan, sport. American soccer fan, and world traveler feel like much the same person. Um, okay. I feel like I feel like the the Venn diagram of American soccer fan and somebody who has told somebody that they really need to travel to Serbia to really understand the world uh, is like a perfect circle, but. Uh, American soccer fan, I think, has gotten less obnoxious over time because the ranks have swelled. Um, and True. so now it's yeah. actually people who are just sports fans. Uh, but at the, but like 10 years ago, oh, American soccer fan was by far the worst person in the world. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know how many years ago, maybe five. I, I'll do, I'll do, <laughs> this will be topical. I went to Spain. I was going to Northern Spain. I went to Barcelona and I went to Camp Nou where the, the Barcelona team plays, whatever the hell their name is. Uh, literally just because I had a lot of friends that love soccer and it was kind of like, you know, like one of those Holy grail places for the sport that I don't give a crap about. So I could basically just say, Oh yeah, I wouldn't give a camp new. I was fine. Whatever. And just so they go, Oh my God, they're pulling out their hair. So yeah, I, I was that guy. So that was fun. That's beautiful. It was it. actually cool. It's cool experience. Like, I mean, I don't mind seeing like big time. I've tried to watch soccer before, but like every time I watch like a big game, it seems like it ends up zero, zero. Um, but I mean, I, I got the, Go to Barcelona, see Messi score a couple goals in a game. Like, that's kind of cool. Like, I didn't really care to do it again or whatever, but it's something, you know, you can check off. Like, oh, I did that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Frank at Sacramento wrote in about the Steve Clarkson quarterback retreat. Uh, as football specialists, you guys have to, you have to be glad you weren't forced to go to the Steve Clarkson event. From what I read and watched, it had to be really terrible. Must be like going to a huge party with five good-looking women and 495 others who think they're too good for everyone, but have no idea they are really going nowhere. I don't know. I've never been to the Clarkson event. I didn't go to it. So I, so sometimes what happens is, I mean, sometimes these events, we could go to a recruiting event. It could be quarterback, whatever. And there could be like 500 kids. And there could be like five guys like that. Say you're covering UCLA, that five guys that would like have a UCLA offer or any kind of interest in UCLA. All the other guys are either, you know, not in that league. They're not in the, they're not going to be a, a UCLA level or whoever team you're covering. If you're covering one of these events, they're not that level of a guy or they're too young. You've never heard of them. And you'd have to kind of spot them in the hundreds and hundreds of people that are there. Um, we, when we go to these events, we're only caring about the people that the school that we cover are recruiting. And if it's a, you know, you're covering Oregon, you're covering USC, like it's a high level guy, any, any Pac-12 school, it's going to be high level guys. They're going to be, hundreds of other people that they're not packed 12 level dudes and you really don't care about them. And their parents might come up to you and say something. You're like, Oh, so I'm not sure. I didn't, I had people go to the Clarkson event. I didn't know that they had a whole bunch of guys that were terrible, but that's kind of a common thing, I guess, when uh, you go to these things where it's just, there's usually only a few guys. If we go to a high school game, we're likely watching one guy. Like it might be modern day. There's a bunch of guys, but if you're going to like some, you know, even like a long beach poly now they have some guys, but you know, it might one or two guys that you're really interested in the whole high school game, because those are the team, you know, those are the guys that are potentially going to the school that you cover. And that's really all we care about. Like people will ask us like, Hey, how did this guy look? I'm like, no idea. I was looking at these other two guys, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we got one last one. Last question. Uh, this is from Jay in New York, Andy Staples show. You guys probably don't listen to the Andy Staples show because it has too much actual football content. But on a recent episode, Andy and Ari spent a good 10 minutes talking Disney and even princesses were discussed. Wanted you all to know that you are true content pioneers in the college football podcasting space. Your Disney talk was content ahead of its time. J-N-N-Y, this was a great bookend to my man, Ron? Rob? What was the other guy's name? Uh... Um, uh, his, his, his dastardly review of my desire to only talk Disney princesses in ah, this is a yes. good bookend. I appreciate this from you, Jay. And I, I, I like Andy. I listened to his show. Um, I don't remember that one, but I've, I've known Andy for years, like he, when he's been working in sports and, uh, good dude, but we are pioneers, man. Talking to Disney princesses. He's got kids. They're a little older. I think Ari just had a baby. So I don't think, uh, 
he's been showing, you know, going to seeing a lot of Disney stuff, but he'll, he'll get versed on the Disney princesses. I'm sure over the next coming couple of years, but yeah, we're, we're pioneers, David, you know, people want to talk. Disney princesses is a big part of college sports and college football because of us. It's a big part of what we do here. <laughs> Podcast champions. Whatever we do. I don't know what we do. Who knows what we do. You know what I'm going to do? We're going to wrap it up because, uh, it's like Friday night. We got to go party. That's what we do. That's what I do. You you don't hear my kids in the background because I'm I'm gonna be out partying. Oh, that's a lie. Right. You, you you probably do hear my kids in the background. A little bit. I heard that 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 one airplane was pretty loud early on. Yeah, occasionally they don't obey the um uh the restrictions on airspace over El Segundo, and I am on the far north side of El Segundo, which means that uh, when they don't obey that, I get a little flyby. You need a little runway. I used to live in uh, Playa del Rey. Um, in the jungle area, like re- pretty close to the beach. And we would get those things coming over quite a bit. It was a cool area. Like you're close to the water, but planes flew over a lot. So. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It was a little nutty. But uh, yeah, that's back in the day. Back in the 90s, I think I did that. It was crazy. Back in the Dizzy, as the kids say. The Dizzy. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap, let's wrap it up. Uh, that over there is uh, Mr. David Woods. And I am Ryan Abraham. We are the Podcast of Champions. We enjoy talking Pac-12 football, Disney princesses, and whatever, how you want to judge snarky people. But I hope you guys enjoyed this little episode, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.